Hello and welcome back to In The Clock Ends Pre-Match Pint. I hope you're well. We've got a packed show ahead for you where we'll get stuck into last night's win against Aston Villa, which wonderfully makes it five out of five for the start of the season. We will also take a look ahead to a massive fixture at the weekend against Manchester United. And of course, as the day we're in, uh, we'll have some transfer news and gossip, of course. Uh, and with me to discuss all of this is James. Good evening, James. Evening, Kelvin, mate. Uh, firstly, apologies. Um, might sound a little bit ropey today. It was uh, a late one last night at the game. And um, yeah, I might have uh, shouted a little bit more than I uh, anticipated. So yeah, apologies that my... Uh, what has been called by you guys, I think, quite weirdly, is a silky voice. Might not be quite so silky tonight. It is silky. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that whatsoever. That's, that's how you've made the permanent fixture uh, on the podcast these days. Um, and also, it's the preparation, right? I think you'd slot happily into Arteta's little pocket um, and you'd be you know, in the good books with him for sure. But look, should we get straight stuck into it? We've got lots to go through uh, on the podcast today. Um Obviously, we're recording on a Thursday, um, and as you've just hinted there, you were at the match last night, a fantastic evening. It really came through the TV like that. I have to say the atmosphere sounded electric, as it has uh, for quite some time now at the Emirates, but it seems to have gone up a notch uh, a bit further, which is great. But I'll just throw it over to you. You know, we were having a quick chat just before we came on. Um, and you said it was a, a little different, obviously, being an evening game. Obviously, a lot of people are coming, you know, from work or making their, their way there. So they don't necessarily get there as early as they would for a half five Saturday kickoff, right? But it, it just talk to me how, how the experience was very quickly there last night, uh, pre-game. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the early minutes of that, that fixer last night. Yeah, so obviously we weren't um, able to get there as early as what we would have liked. Um, the boys I were with, we were to work during the day. But um, we still got there an hour, an hour and a half before the game. And um, mm. well, like you say, evening games can take a bit of time for the atmosphere to build. But I think that it was noisy from the off last night. It really kind of took me by surprise. And I mm. was in the upper tier, actually. I was in the um, the North Bank last night. And mm. sometimes the upper tier, you know, can be a little bit quiet and, you know, people not getting as involved in the... In, in the songs, in the chants, but no, mm. it really was noisy last night. And um, I think the high intensity start definitely helped that. I think the two for one beer before the game definitely helped with that. That, that well. always helps. Yeah, that definitely always helps. helps. So um, no, it was a, a great, a great evening really all around. Good stuff. No, I mean, yeah, it, it's enjoyable for all of us at the minute, isn't it? Long may it continue um, because things are just, we're just on the up and up at the minute, but I, must, I guess we may as well just get stuck into, you know, some of the, the key moments from last night. And I think, you know, one of the things you touched on there is, uh, you know, that, that atmosphere is really kicking off, um, you know, f- you know, from the first whistle, isn't it? Because I think, you know, we, and we've said this many times on, on the podcast, myself, Steve, I think you as well, James, uh, and it's a case of, you know, fans react to effectively what's going on in front of them, uh, to the match, to how the team is, you know, playing uh, and turning up on a particular match day uh, unless there's you know a big fixture right where you don't need that extra uh, you know you're talking Spurs here or you know United at home or wherever it may be you know the atmosphere is always rocking before we've even kicked a ball but I think that's the other thing which is really noticeable for me and it's the the, the atmosphere is it's kind of continuous pretty much throughout 90 minutes because 
we are reacting to what we're seeing uh, in front of our eyes on the pitch and the the intensity uh, that this team is showing lately and, and the drive, the commitment, the passion. These are all the things as a fan that you want to see, right? And that first half, and, and we've said this a few times uh, already this season, but we were so dominant um, from minute one to minute 45. Um, you know, it, it could easily have been two, three, four, um, if we're a little bit more clinical uh, with some of our finishing and just final decision-making in that final third. But, you know, it was one of those sort of games where, you know, for all of our great play and, you know, there were a couple of missed opportunities. And also I think, and Steve, he'll definitely be nodding along when I say this, and I'm sure a number of other people were as well, but some of the decision-making by the, the officials uh, in that first half, and, and it did carry on into the into the second, but it was really poorly officiated. Villa really did come out with that old-school, you know, game plan of deciding to kick us, which, you know, over the years is something that we seem to be able to cope with uh, not so well, but it seems to be something that we're actually on top of, I feel, these days. Um, you know, how did you feel, you know, when... They were going after us from the off. There were some snidey challenges in there, some dirty ones as well. Um, did, is that something you kind of picked up on? It's obviously harder to see in, in game, I, uh, you know, when you're at the match. I appreciate that. But was that kind of the, the feeling, you know, for yourself and people in and around you in the stadium? Yeah, absolutely. I think the lack of bookings for Villa was really frustrating. You know, it seemed like they could do whatever they wanted. And every time we would lay, you know, a finger on them, it was out came the yellow cards and there was so mm. much tactical fouling and you know the boys I was sitting with you know Stephen Gerrard he's under the, he's under pressure at the moment there at Villa they've not had a great start to the season and it very much did seem like their tactic right from the beginning that they were going to try and not let us have the ball they were going to try and let us you know they were going to try and break down the attacks nice and early and it, mm. it was just frustrating from that side of things but you know what? It did help get the crowd up, I think. And obviously, you know, we were hammering the ref. And I think the teammates, you know, they were protecting each other and they were, you know, getting into the referee and saying, come on, let's not have this. This ain't acceptable. And I think that, you know, camaraderie and that, like you mentioned, say that we might not really have been as good at dealing with this type of thing previously. And mm. it really does show that the progression of the team that we can deal with this now. But um, no, I think it might have maybe backfired a little bit on Gerard just because I think it really did get the crowd up. Yes, yeah, the crowd up. And I think it also gets this side going as well. I think there's a number of players that actually welcome that kind of, you know, intimidation or that, you know, poking the bear effectively. Um, and, and some of them respond to it quite well, which is something which, you know, we've often been said, you know, we have a soft underbelly, we're easy to kick around, you know, a soft touch, you know, all these phrases we're so familiar with over the last God knows how many years. But one thing I think, you know, Arteta has instilled into not just the players, but just the club in general, fans included, is that fuck you mentality, basically. It's us against the world. Uh, we don't care what you want to say about us. We don't care how you want to try and play against us. You can try and kick us, but we'll still beat you. Um, and to be able to do that, in, in my eyes, is it's such a great quality to have because, you know, that's the Emirates has become a really tough place to come. Yeah, we're not keeping clean sheets. That's one thing we definitely need to improve on. We should have had one last night. We'll come on to that, obviously. Um, but just to be honest with that, that mentality of making it a hard place to come. And 
it's really tricky for opposition to come to the Emirates because you know what, what's the you know what's the opposition manager's going to start saying? Um, oh, we'll kick ass, or they'll 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 buckle. We'll you know we'll we'll be able to you know like you say you know they're a soft touch. We'll be able to kick them out of the game and win. Whereas now it's just like we'll either beat you from playing really good football um, and and go toe to toe with you um, and stand stand up, take the kicks, give them back where possible on the sly. That's something we always love. But um, yeah, I think that that core mentality uh, and quality within the side is definitely shining through. But yeah, I think, you know, back to the refereeing, um, you know, I'm going to come on to another incident, uh, not just from not, not giving out bookings or anything like that. But before I do that, I've got to talk about the couple of chances that we had um, because it, watching from home, I'm sure it felt like it in the stadium, but it, how we weren't, you know, one, two, three, and a lot before we eventually went ahead it was absolutely baffling to me, to be perfectly honest. I'm sure it felt like that, but obviously Martinelli did some fantastic work down the left-hand side, fizzed the ball across, um, you know, the, the six-yard box and, and Saka, unfortunately, all he had was what appeared to be a simple task of just tapping the ball into an empty net. Was on his weaker side and it was travelling with a bit of speed, of course, but I mean, I was celebrating that because... <laughs> you know professional football player who kicks footballs every day you would expect that uh, you know 99 times out of 100 to be in the back of the net how did you feel about that one oh yeah I was off my feet immediately I thought that was 1-0 to the Arsenal but um, you know Saka in general I think he did have a good game I think it was just end products that he lacked really you know he seemed to get into the right positions he seemed to mm. you know drive us forwards but like I say, it's just that lack of end products. And I just really think he needs a goal to kickstart this season. You know, mm -hmm. he's played a lot of football in the last 12 months. And, you know, he has carried this team for periods of time in the last 12 months. And, you know, for me, it's a positive that the burden isn't on his shoulders now. You know, he has Jesus, yes. he has Martinelli, he has these players around him that mean he doesn't have to carry the rucksack all by himself. But, um, mm -hmm. I, it, that's got to be one nil. That has to be one nil. But I think he did enough in the game other than that in terms of his build-up play, in terms of his attacking play to to make me feel like he still had a good game. And yeah, it's just a matter of time, really. He's getting in the right places. And I think once the first one goes in, then I think he'll just keep on scoring. Yeah, I think that's how exactly how I feel about Saka at the minute. Yes, I don't think he's quite at the level which we know and expect him to kind of be at on a consistent basis. But, you know, we're talking about, you know, the really fine margin stuff here when you're in the final third, you know, the big, the, the high impact end of the game. And look, he still got an assist last night uh, and it was a good one as well. Um, and it's, you know, he got one at the weekend as well. So it's not as if there isn't some sort of end product there, but I do feel overall his, you know, his work rate's pretty good. Um, you know, he's, turning players and some of his dribbling abilities, it's still there and it's still high level. Um, and it's, it's not concerning me too much. Link-up plays good. But yeah, I think he just needs to, like you say, get that goal, you know, get the ball rolling for him for this season. Also takes a little bit of a target off your back because there will be some fans, right, um, who probably think, kind of similar to how Odegaard started the season, right? You know, his first game where Palace, he wasn't, quite at the level we know and expect him as well um, but that that's obviously changed and I think you know if, if Saka can get a couple of goals in the next few weeks particularly on Sunday that would be fantastic um, then yeah I think 
you know, he will have that confidence and, you know, things will come a little bit more naturally. Like, you know, when you're in the final third and you, you are an attacking player, if you haven't scored for a while, even if you're not a central striker, it, it, it's in the back of your mind. Uh, but once you do score one, inevitably the others start to follow. But there was another chance. Uh, I mean, it's more of a half chance when you look back at it, but in real time, I could not believe how the ball did not end up in the back of the net. It was an almighty scramble as well afterwards. But it just appeared that all he needed to do, um, you know, I think it was after a Martinez save, just just knocked the ball into the empty net again. Um, but obviously, looking back on it, it wasn't quite straightforward. But did you, what did you make of that absolute mayhem? It was obviously down your end as well, um, I believe. Actually, were you North Bank, did you say? Yeah, we were North Bank. So oh, we so down, other end. Yeah, so we were down the other end. So we just thought, what on earth is going on up there? How on earth has that not gone in the net? And it wasn't the only time yeah. it happened. I think there were two goal scrambles throughout, throughout the game. But mm. I feel like from having watched it back, I think what is most encouraging is just how many second balls we won. And, you know, we were oh. chasing those lost causes. And, you know, there was scrambles like that, that we were able to make these opportunities because mm. we didn't give up. And, you know, we were able to quickly dispossess Villa on a number of occasions, okay, Martinelli, mm-hmm. Erdegaard especially, and, you know, it's these chances for Saka, like you say, eventually they will fall to him and he will score, but on that, I feel like um, it's a good time to bring in um, our old friend uh, Martinez there, who um, just keeps seem to talk about Arsenal no matter what he's asked, but there we go, and um, I think we really got in his head last night, and, you know, there was a number yeah. of questionable things he did last night where he just can't seem to play against Arsenal anymore. Mm. He just really seems to get wound up by the situation. And, you know, if I was Gerard last night, I'd be saying to him at half time, look, mate, calm it down. And, but you know, it, it continued throughout the game. And, um, you know, obviously it was lovely to see because we thought that, you know, we left on relatively good terms with, with Martinez, you know, he got the move he wanted, but um, mm-hmm. he obviously doesn't feel, the same way we do yeah I mean it's one of those at this stage for me I love the banter it's fucking brilliant um, you know it was constant right I mean the amount of times I heard you know times I heard the um, the chant going you know Aaron Ramsdale he's better than you that's always funny um, especially when you've had a bit of a howler um, but yeah I, I agree with you I think Kind of when you were saying that, it just reminds me of like Rob Holden against Spurs last season, right? Very different circumstances. But I was like, that guy just played the the occasion and not the game. Uh, and I feel like that's what he does every time he seems to play against us. Which, do you know what? No complaints. If he wants to talk in Slate Arsenal, I don't give a shit, pal, to be honest with you. You play for Aston Villa. You know, I appreciate what he did when he stepped in and he had to step in. And he did step up. Um, credit where it's due. It helped us win an FA Cup. But... Call me really cynical, but once you're not an Arsenal player anymore, and unless you're an absolute legend of the club, and we haven't had too many of those over the last number of years, I don't give a shit what you do after that, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, no, that's fair enough, mate. Fair enough. It's interesting. You mentioned um, the chant there. I presume you're um, referring to, you know, us saying um, Aaron Ramsdale, he's better than you. And when, uh, when Villa scored their goal, Obviously, Villa this was great. Yeah. They turned that round, and I'm not sure if they showed it on TV. But did they show um, Ramsdale and what he was uh, doing to the Villa fans afterwards? Did, because for me, that just sums up everything. What's brilliant about Aaron Ramsdale? He loves yeah, that, the shit out of it. 
Yeah, he really does. And I love shithousery full stop in just in general, in life. I think it's brilliant. But I didn't, yeah, I don't think they showed it necessarily, but I saw it afterwards and it was, didn't he just go and do a full, did he knee slide or charge over cupping his ears after we scored our oh, second he, goal? Yeah, he just charged over to him, cupped his ears and, you know, love you it. could tell that it was really winding the Villa fans up. And um, Love you know, that. Fair play to him. He, you know, he he's like us, isn't he? He, you know, imagine if all of us were professional footballers, I'd be doing exactly the same thing. I've often you we always have these sorts of thoughts, right? Just as fans, like, what would I be like if I was a professional footballer? And you know, I think some of us are like, I think I'd be the model professional, but with VAR, I think thinking back to the kind of player I was, I love some of the niggle and the dirty stuff. You know, I was I'm not going to compare myself to Dennis Burkamp, but you know how he used to do the slight stuff, lob an elbow, you know, all that sort of stuff. I, I love that back in the day. I'd probably be sent off quite a lot in, in the VAR era. But the the shithousery and just giving it to opposition fans. Like, you know, me and Steve were kind of saying this, like, on a podcast, the last, I think it was after the Bournemouth game. We're like, it'd be great, wouldn't it, just to score an away and away ground and just give it absolute big one um, to the home fans. And this is one thing, not an advocate for Jamie Vardy, right? But one thing I've always kind of enjoyed about him is how he just fucking winds people up after he scores. Um, I just find it quite amusing, to be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely, mate. You know, he would have been good value if he was in an Arsenal shirt with that type of uh, reputation he has. But you say about VAR, well, you you say about VAR and that you might not have got on very well, but... um, I guess we'll touch on our opening goal shortly. But just before we do, what did you think about the uh, penalty shout for yeah, was, Saka? I was just about to bring that up. That's the next thing, next on my hit list. And fucking hell, in real time, I thought it was a penalty. Um, and then when I saw the replay, I was like, yeah, it's still a penalty. Um, you just can't do that. I mean, there's two instances as well, which is even more frustrating. There's a shirt pull by the other player who's chasing behind him. Yep. Um, and then when he's obviously back to, to Tyrone Mings, fellow Chippenham lad, of course. So I've got a little bit of time for Tyrone Mings, maybe off the football pitch and not on it these days. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of just like, you you can't do that. And naturally, where did my mind go, James? When I saw that, it fell into the, what if that was Granite Xhaka category? Uh, and you would just guarantee it would be a fucking penalty. Um, and if... You know, we already talked about the the officiating. Now, to my knowledge, I think that guy is predominantly a champion championship ref, um, and he was given an opportunity to ref a Premier League game. My fucking god, did that show? Um, he's not ready for that level. Um, but also, you do need a little bit of help. Even the you know the elite refs need help from the VAR officials. And to to take a look at that and not give it, it it was just fucking baffling. Um, you know, I thought I thought it was a I thought it was a definite pen from seeing it in the grounds. But then when I've seen it on VAR, I thought, well, there was no way in a million years that they couldn't have given it. He's made no <laughs> attempt to play the ball. He's physically thrown him on the floor. <laughs> it, madness, madness. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, thankfully, it didn't cost us. But no, it just yeah, one of no. a, a number of mistakes. I think the officials made and. <sighs> I'm with you a little bit. I think, you know, I think you and Steve were talking about it previously, saying about how uh, do we think there's, you know, an agenda and do Arsenal oh. fans get a little bit wound up by it all and stuff. But, you know, sometimes I look at all of that and I just think, oh, come on, like, why aren't we getting those decisions? But look, let's not let... Yeah, let's not open that. We're, we're in a positive frame of mind. Absolutely. Uh, the thing is, though, when you're winning and it doesn't end up hampering your end result, 
it's kind of easier to pop it on the shelf and go, fuck it. Right. But yeah, if, again, if we would have drawn the game last night, which was a possibility at times, then it'd be a very different discussion point. Um, you know, I think there was something similar, you know, after the game against Fulham, right? Um, there was something, I can't remember off the top of my head what it was, but it was contentious enough to the point where, you know, something had happened. And if if we hadn't scored the winner, it would have been a very, I think it was actually, yeah, it was the corner that was given for the Fulham goal, I think, yeah. off the top of my head. Yeah. It wasn't a corner. Um, but you know, that's different. And that's not, you know, VAR can't look at that necessarily. So, you know, you can kind of understand mistakes like that. But yeah, it, it, it happens every week all over the country. Obviously, we see it through our tinted Arsenal goggles. Um, but still, it does seem to happen to us more often than not. But moving on, we broke the deadlock on the half-hour mark. Um thanks to some fantastic goalkeeping from the Arsenal legend that is Emi Martinez. Um, bit of a relief, wasn't it? Because uh, we'd been battering the door uh, for that opening half an hour. Um, and it, it was good to see, you know, Xhaka again. You know, he's he's just constantly in the opposition box lately, which is mind-blowingly entertaining to watch and very unusual, but I'm getting quite used to it at this point. But, you know, Jesus was on his toes, ready to slot it in from the rebound uh, and the Emirates roof went off. Um, what, what did you make of the opening goal? Yeah, he absolutely 100% deserved it. You know, he reacted quickest, but throughout the game, he worked so hard. He'd done his mm. defensive work well as well. He really was leading the line. And I just can't help but think every time I see him play now, I think, Lacazette doesn't get there or Lacazette doesn't do that but again I don't want to touch too much on the uh, on the pass but with Jesus in mind and when I was driving home from work earlier on Arsenal fan Darren Bent gave a cracking statistic for Gabriel Jesus and I know you love a stat so um, love the stat man yeah yeah so here we go so big stat for you Gabriel Jesus hasn't hasn't lost a game he has scored in in the Premier League so he's now played 49 matches where he scores, 46 wins, three draws, zero losses. So as long as he just keeps scoring for the rest of the year, we're going to go unbeaten. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's an, that's an incredible stat. It's kind of like, fucking, I don't want to get too involved in it because they're jammy bastards, but it's like Virgil van Dijk's record at fucking Anfield, which is just ridiculous, I think, at this stage, to be honest with you. I, don't, I still don't think he's lost a game. At Anfield, Madness. correct me if I'm wrong. Madness. Which you know, he's been there fucking three, four years at this point. Yeah, must have been, must have been. But, but no, I think that goal it was it was a good time to score. I mean, yes. In that first half, we'd had 15 shots to Villa's two. It would have mm. been really disappointing if we went into you know half time and not having scored because we really had them under the cosh. I mean, I watched oh. the highlights and of the game earlier on today, and you know, I thought we were overwhelmingly better than them on the night. Oh. But having watched the highlights, there there wasn't a single Villa highlight in that first half. No, so. it was all us. It was all us. Um, the intensity, the the pace of the game from our point of view, the, you know, like you touched on earlier, the way we harried them and, you know, we turned the ball over in their half so many times. And it's, it's fucking great to watch, um, you know, an Arsenal side be so proactive in winning the ball back unless... You know, one of the things that used to drive me mental was how our midfielders and defenders would just constantly back off, just back off and back off and back off. And then to the point where you're like, oh, fuck, they can shoot now. Uh, they're too close to the goal. So that was unbelievable. But also, just before half-time, I've got to mention that Martinelli screamer of an effort, which 
fucking Martinez saved. I really wish that went in because the technique on that effort was sublime. It was a great save, but imagine if that would have nestled in the top far corner. So I was right behind that being in the North Bank. And you know when sometimes you see a player hit a ball and you literally mm. think that's it you know. as soon mm. as they've hit it. And fair play to Martinez. It was a, a decent save. And, you know, I'm never one for going to the toilet or anything like that whilst the football is going on. Like I just Me think too. that the minute I go, I'm going to miss something. But my mate's mm. here next to me, Tom, he nipped out, you know, to beat the beat the rush at half time and I thought oh he's gonna miss it he's gonna miss this but um oh what a strike it was but again he had a fantastic game as well and I think one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me throughout that first half and you know and in and into the second was just Martinelli just looked on it the whole game and you know he he seems just to be a lot stronger in the challenge now and he just he doesn't lose the ball very often, but when he does lose it, he's right back on him, getting physical nice. with people that seem to be much bigger than him. But, you know, mm. so it would have capped off a, a really good first half for him. But, you know, for, fortunately, his moment was yet to come. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank God he did. But going into half time, um, I felt really positive and I was really, really pleased with, you know, the performance that the boys have put in and I think the only thing that concerned me at halftime was with all the play we had the utter dominance we had over Villa throughout the first half my only concern was the intensity and you know the high pace in which we played at I couldn't help but think I don't care how you know how much of a professional athlete you are it'd be really hard to to continue that throughout the second half um did, how did you feel at halftime? Do you have something similar? We obviously we're happy, right? We won the luck, playing really good football, fantastic game to watch from an Arsenal perspective. But how, how did you feel at halftime and thinking ahead to the second half? I was torn really because you know, on one hand, I'm thinking this is an opportunity to get our goal difference up. I really thought we could get two, three, four, five goals, and it could have easily been that in the first half. But like you say, there is always this feeling in the back of my head when it comes to Arsenal, and I think that's just mm. because of so many scars over the years that when you don't take your chances and you're only winning one nil, I just can't get it out of my head yet. Despite the promising season that we've had so far that mm. we are going to give them the chance and they are going to get their opportunities to, to nick a goal. And it was playing on my minds and it's just frustrating that they'd literally done nothing. And, you know, we'll go mm. on to talk about the goal now, but to lose the goal in the way that we did as well, mm. even more frustrating. Yeah, no, it really was because as I kind of thought at halftime, um, you know, our intensity wasn't quite there in the second half uh, as much as it was in, in the first, which I wasn't at all surprised by. But yeah, the, the equaliser, um, you know, Douglas Louise, who funnily enough, we're being linked with uh, right now, I believe, whether that'll happen or not, who knows. But I, I do remember watching a highlight of him. It came up on Sky, Sky Sports News app. Um, I think it was in the League Cup, whether that was last week or the week before, where he scored directly from a corner. His first one was absolutely atrocious for his first touch. Um, and the second one was just, it wasn't quite as good as the one he scored a couple of weeks back, but I had that fear in my head. I was like, well, he's just done that. He's obviously can take a good corner. Um, but look, it's, you know, we're going back to the officiating on this one and, I'm sure it was a difficult one to kind of judge in the ground, um, you know, at the time. But again, you know, watching from home, I get access to, to you know, 
instant replays and it i mean it's just another one you know it's just stonewall as the penalty for me to be perfectly honest with you i think there is actually you know someone's even did a tweet earlier on i can't remember the name of the guy he's obviously pulled it from somewhere some rule book but if you're impeding the goalkeeper and you're not anywhere near the, the, the ball it, you know it's impeding and it's a free kick and the only thing that and i'm not letting off the officials here in any way shape or form there's just two things that happen in this period of play something i've touched on i don't know whether you would have heard me say this before about ramsdale love ramsdale you know i think he's a, you know going to be a really really top goalkeeper um you know we love how he plays the game shithousery etc cetera, etc cetera. but if there's one thing that just irks me a little bit about Aaron Ramsdale. And that's just in certain situations, I want to see it called calm collected. And just before the corner was taken, he's jumping around like a little Jack in a box, um, you know, waving the arms about. And I just want to see you just relax a little bit, you know, just take a breath uh, and concentrate on what's going on. I know he's probably concentrating. So maybe that's a bit, a little bit harsh on my point on my part there, but so, you know, that's going on. And then the other, you know, the other thing is there. Uh, you know, I was a goalkeeper growing up. The basic thing for me was if there's an opposition player in front of you, get a defender between the two of you. Just that's number one rule. Get a defender in there to give you that protection and to enable you to then move freely. Um, but the only thing when I look back at the replay and you can clearly see that the Villa player is holding Ramsdale, you know, he's got his arms wrapped, you know, back around him. The only thing I think that lets the officials let that goal stand is Ramsdale's hands are also round, you know, the shoulder. Obviously he's trying to do that because he's being impeded. But I, And again, I'm not saying the officials are correct here, but I think that's the only thing that in my eyes anyway, that allowed that goal to stand. But, you know, what did you feel watching it live? Did they, obviously, did they show, obviously they usually show the replays, you know, pretty much straight after the goals have gone in at the Emirates. Did you get a replay? Obviously, you watched the highlights back. You know, what did you think about that? No, we didn't get any highlight back. I think that was probably because it was too controversial at the time. And, you, you know, usually the I case. Was, if it's not shown yeah. again, it's too controversial, yeah. Yeah, so the goal went in and we didn't really see much going on from the angle we had. And, you know, when the bar logo came up on the screen, we're thinking, oh, please, let there just be something. And then that will hopefully... Uh, chalk this goal off but no I think you've hit the nail on the head I think the only reason why that doesn't get disallowed I think is because Ramsdale he he, he doesn't do as much as Camera does but he does wrap mm. his arms around and I think at that point it becomes more of a 50-50 and I think mm. you're given the opportunity to VAR to yes. not give us the decision and you know unfortunately it's gone against us at that point but Overall, I still think it's madness. I still think he's clearly impeding the player. He's made no attempt to play the ball. But hey ho, you know it didn't cost us. But at the time, it was just deflating. But the crowd, as they have done all mm -hmm. year and every single game at the Emirates, were right back behind the players. You know mm -hmm. the intensity, the noise just didn't stop, and we went right back up the other end. What felt like pretty much instantly, and uh, got one back. Yeah, no, it, it, it's, you're absolutely spot on. I think it's a trend, it's a lovely trend, which has started this season. Not the, not necessarily conceding, right? Nobody wants that trend necessarily, but the, the reaction of, you know, the crowd first and foremost and getting behind the team and, 
the rousing chant of Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal uh, that kicks off when this happens. You know, we're really fully behind the team in the moment, um, which is brilliant because, you know, years gone by, it's moans, groans, fuck you, fuck this. This is bollocks right? uh, because we saw it all too often. But again, you know, it happened for Saliba, it happened for, for Gabriel. And obviously this was just more of a, an unfortunate situation. It was just more of a let's get behind the entire team here. But as you alluded to earlier, I do love a little bit of a stat. So do you, though, James. Uh, we, you know, this is one of the things why you got a, a, that that frequent spot is you bring you bring the stats, uh, which we really appreciate. But one of the things that popped up earlier, which and again we know this has happened when we seem to concede a goal, we go and score one. Uh, we've conceded four times this season, right? And it has taken us two, one, eight, and three minutes afterwards to go and score directly after. That's, that's what that's, that's a great response but you know i'm not surprised and with the all or nothing documentary you know and what arteta talks about not letting the noise drop not letting the intensity drop i'm not surprised that he's managed to instill this in the players because mm. it, it seems like he just demands such high standards all the time that they just go again and you know it does seem like at this point the squads really are united. They really do seem like they're not just a squad of players. They really do seem like a team and they really do care about each other. And you can see that when something goes wrong, they're all patting each other on the back, you know, getting that arm around the shoulder, but also trying to G each other up, which was, you know, really great to see again. And with the goal, I think it was just more of the same from the first half. We kind of, increase that intensity again and mm. it didn't take long for us to you know build up that chance and um should martinez yeah. have done better maybe but i think you alluded to it earlier on what a pick out by saka yeah fantastic great composure um and that, that that and that's it isn't it right i mean we're talking about him earlier and we're saying you know quality in the final third yeah be great if you could put the ball in the back and when you get your opportunity but you know, you don't let your head go down and, you know, you have such a, a positive impact to help win us the game um, the same way he did against Fulham. Um, so, you know, it's, as long as he keeps doing that, again, you know, the other parts will come. Um, and when it does, crikey, you know, it's such a frightening prospect that, you know, Martinez, Jesus uh, and Saka as a front three at the minute. And when Saka does find true form, that's, that's enough to give many defenders sleepless nights for sure. But you were talking before we came on about the noise, you know, of the crowd when Martinelli's goal went in. Talk to us about that. Oh, mate, it was deafening. Absolutely deafening. Like it, I, I really do hope it came across on TV just because obviously when you're at the match and you hear the roar when the goal goes in, you, you know, it's always fun. It is, that is exactly why we go to the football for moments like this. But mm. it was just the whole crowd. Like I said, I was in the upper tier, which... You, you know, traditionally maybe might not be quite so loud, but it was just a roar. It really was. I can't remember whether it was one of you guys or on another podcast, but I came out of the game with obviously no voice at all, but my ears just ringing just because it was that loud. And, you know, straight away after that, we've got Super Mick Arteta and oh, it, it really did feel like a moment. And But it seems like, every game at the moment there is a moment you know with yeah. what we're being treated to at the moment but um ah oh, you know fantastic moment fantastic to be there and certainly made the uh 
the late night worth it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, who you're alluding to there, I believe, was James McNicholas um, from the Arse blog, um, who actually made that point about coming out with the ringing ears uh, after the <laughs> Fulham, after the game at the weekend. So just a couple of other things I wanted to kind of touch on before we wrap up the Villa game. Um, a few notable mentions, really, some, you know, some great performances. Before we go into the notable mentions, who was your man of the match last night? Man of the match for me was Martinelli. Just yeah. obviously he got the important goal, but in terms of just ethic. the work ethic, yeah, absolutely. He just works so hard throughout the game and you know, he just won so many second balls and he always looked dangerous. And, you know, he yeah. is very, very quickly becoming one of the first na- names on the team sheet. And, the, you know, you compare it to this time last year where he certainly wasn't a nailed on starter. He certainly mm. weren't nailed on to even get off the bench. So, um, no, another fantastic performance. And, you know, he really has had a promising start to the beginning of this season. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's electric at the minute. And I still think there's some some fine-tuning there. Um, and again, I'm, I'm really nitpicking here because I, I love Martinelli, as you know, and it's so exciting to watch as a footballer. It's just everything you want to see, high intensity, you know, determination, can finish, can dribble, can just do it all, which is great. But the, the only small thing I would love to see him come just a little bit sharper. And that is sometimes he just, when he's in great positions, he tries to do a bit too much with the ball. Um, you kind of want him to release it a little bit quicker or make that cross or cut it back, which look, that will come with experience. Um, and I'm not telling him to change how he plays because right now it's, it is great. But if that's the only small thing that he can do at his age uh, and he can improve on, then fuck me. Once once he starts to go up another notch, which he might, then yeah, we've got a serious, serious prospect on our hands. But I think also he's, I can't not acknowledge Granite Xhaka yesterday. I thought he was absolutely superb um, in the role that he had. You know, he is, you know, an on-field captain, let's say. It's clear for us all to see at this point. Um, I think we got a little bit clouded with that in, in times past. But, you know, again, we won't come back onto that. But I just thought the way he was um, partnering, funnily enough, with Sambi, who also had a really good game yesterday. I was very pleasantly surprised uh, by how he played. But Xhaka was always there for him, always available. Um, even though Sambi had his own great individual game, but Xhaka was just... Box to box, absolutely fantastic. Um, what did you make of, you know, we may as well talk about them both there, but Xhaka and Sambi's performances last night. Yeah, with Xhaka, he did his defensive work well, but he did keep cropping up in these attacking positions, which has been, you know, rather unusual this season, but certainly something that has been a lot of fun so far. And there was a mm. moment in the game where, I can't remember if it was the first half or second half, but there was going to be a coming together between Xhaka and one of the Villa players. And you could see it happening and you could think Xhaka of one year ago, two years ago, goes flying into that challenge, gets sent off. But he Mm. kept his composure, didn't, you know, didn't lose his head and Mm. he made the correct challenge that he should have made. And I think him and Sambi together looked like a really interesting partnership last night. I think, yeah, I'm glad mm. you mentioned Sambi because you know he coming in for his first game, what felt like mm-hmm. for a long time. For a long time. long time. I guess probably the Palace. Palace. Was it Palace away towards the end of last season? He, or did he come on in that game? No, he actually came on, I think. Yeah. And looked quite might. good then, funny enough. But no, for me, it was just the best compliment I can give Sambi is was the fact that I didn't notice he was there. And I know that would sound weird, but no, we, I, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, no, I just sorry to go across you there, James. I completely agree with that point. 
Um, I said this on a podcast there. I said, if, if you've played a game of football and I haven't noticed you in that sort of position, maybe on then he's that kind of guy as well sometimes, but it means you did nothing wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he played it forward when he could play it forwards, but he played the simple pass when he needed to play the simple pass. And look, I'm sure he would have been nervous. I'm sure he'll grow in confidence, but leading into Man United at the weekend, that would have given him so much confidence. And, yeah, you know, I'm not thinking that he's the answer and he's suddenly going to be first name on the team sheet type player. No. But I think he can definitely do a job for us. And I think we pretend that he's maybe more experienced than what he is. You know, he's still a young lad. I know he was, I think he was captain at Andalect, but mm-hmm. he's got a lot to learn. But it's performances like last night, which will do so much for his development. And going into yeah. Man United, let's hope that he can do, you know, something similar. Yeah, if he could do something similar on Sunday, if he's given the opportunity, which he probably will be, uh, to be perfectly honest, because we're not exactly uh, with, you know, with, uh, you know, backups in that particular area at this stage but you know his range of passing last night there was a couple of times in the first half as well where you know he did a kind of driving pass out to the left out to Martinelli out to Tierney you know spreading the play well but it's also just skipping out the the obvious pass which sometimes you know when I watch football that really frustrates me when there's an opportunity to to go forward and go forward quickly it's great to see players do that but do it with quality uh, instead of just maybe going oh I'll just play it to Gabriel who can then play it out to Tierney no let's get it straight out there you know, let's let's stretch stretch the opposition so we can actually start to create those gaps. And I thought, you know, he really did do that very well. Held on to the ball, uh, yeah. And like you said, I, I, as much as I noticed him because I was keen to see how he got on, he didn't do anything where I went, "Oh fuck," there was nothing there of it on a negative where I was like, "Oh, you held on to the ball too long there," or you look a little bit lost in the center of the park. I just thought he played a very solid game throughout. Um, and one final mention. Again, I thought that Eddie and Ketcher coming off the bench yesterday, by the way, it didn't look like Eddie and Ketcher to me, by the way. Some of the dribbles, um, the little drag backs that he was doing, these are things I don't associate with with Eddie and Ketcher. I don't know about you, but were you were you kind of pleased with, with his performance when he came off the bench? Oh, spot on. I think, you know, by the end of the game, we were serenading him, you know, every yeah. time, like he did his job and he would take it to the corner when he needed to take it to the corner. But no, like you say, some of the touches, some of the turns, and he just seems to be so much more physical, so much bigger. He seems mm. like a real presence. And he was unlucky not to cap off his cameo with a goal at the end. And that would have really been a nice moment. But what a difference it makes. You know, when he comes on now, I'm not thinking, oh, Inkesia. I'm thinking, no. oh, brilliant, Inkesia. That's a good option to have off the bench. Yeah. And you know, there was times last year where we thought there's no way in a million years he's going to make it at Arsenal. But now he mm. seems like he's really given it a good go. And yeah, he's done the job. And I'm excited to hopefully see him start some Europa League next week. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. And I think, you know, he's in a good spot, clearly. Um, and he has worked on his physical aspects of the game. And yeah, just some of his dribbling capabilities. And I know, look, when you're fresh off the bench and you're running at defenders that have been literally blood ragged uh, by, by the start on 11, it, it can be a little bit easier. But no, I was really pleased to see how he got on um, when he did come off the bench and not for the first time this season. So, look, that was Aston Villa last night. It's five out of five. And unless there's anything else you, you particularly wanted to, to mention about the game last night, James, we, we could probably move it on if you like. Yeah, let's move on. Happy days. Well, look, before we start looking ahead to Sunday's big game against Man United, it's probably 
appropriate to to look at some of the news which is going around it is transfer deadline day as we're recording this um i'm i'm going to be honest with you james i'm not a massive fan of the, the transfer deadline day not as much as i used to be because when it was first became a thing i thought it was kind of cool sky ruined that for me i don't know how you it's just too much too big fucking fuck off basically um just tell me who we've signed in tomorrow morning if we've signed anybody and i'll go from there but um well, that's yeah. Do you like do you like transfer deadline day? Is that something you get involved in? Mate, I couldn't agree more. I remember back in the day, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, staying up to watch transfer deadline day, see who we get in. But no, mm. it's it's not for me anymore. You know, once it's once David Ornstein said it, that's when I really take notice. But you yeah. know, the whole countdown on Sky Sports News from three yeah. months in advance and everything like that, no, not for me. Not from, you know what it reminds me of, actually? This is a weird comparison, but it's definitely sprung into me. But obviously, I think this is probably more a nostalgic sort of youthful thing. But you remember, like, growing up and Christmas adverts started coming on the TV. And there weren't many of them, right? Fucking brilliant, some of them. You're like, yeah, Christmas is coming. Can't wait. Now, it's just like a competition for who can do the longest, fucking cheesiest, most upsetting Christmas ads in the world. And that bores the living shit out of me now. Um, so I think it's kind of similar to that. <laughs> I've no idea where you were going with that, mate. To be perfectly honest, but sometimes I don't to, know myself. You managed to pull it back by the end there, so uh, getting. But anyway, um, transfer deadline day. Transfer deadline day. Yeah. So Bellerin has finally left Arsenal, uh, and he's another free free agent. Getting used to those, but you know, there's only a few more, and then we'll actually have proper transfer strategy moving forward. I think. But yeah, that, Bellerin's joined Barcelona. Um, bit weird though because if we did cancel his contract I really thought he was heart set on Betis but you know it is what it is I guess if a bigger club comes along you're not going to say no uh, but it's a, it's a kind of sad one the way his Arsenal career has ended um, great servant to the club I feel I just feel that 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 knee injury that he suffered um, that was it that was curtains unfortunately for Hector Bellerin's career at Arsenal he was never the same after that was he yeah absolutely mate and uh, you know I'll always have a soft spot for him. He seemed to understand the club. He really did mm-hmm. seem to be Arsenal yep. through and through, you know, yep. despite the fact he did come from Barcelona. And it used to frustrate me at times because people, you know, would very often criticise his off-field interests and, you know, say, oh, he needs to concentrate more on his football. But for me, that is why I really admired him. And especially in, um, he did a documentary about his ACL recovery and you've got, you got to learn yeah. a little bit more about the person and you know mm. he's only 27 that's the thing that really surprises me in madness and he's been around for such a long time but mm. david ornstein's reporting that there's a there is going to be a sell-on clause included so you know well, if that's Barca, right, yeah so if Barca do ship him off then we might get a little bit of a fee from that but no look it saves on the wages it is frustrating that we mm. seem to just be getting no fees for these players, which other teams seem to be getting fees for. But no, great mm. servants of the club. Someone I'll always be fond of. And um, when I think yeah. of number two, I think of Lee Dixon, but Bellerin won't be too far behind now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think he was kind of one of those, like you said, he embodied the the qualities of the club, uh, the traditions. And also, he's just a decent human being from what I saw. Um or how he portrayed himself anyway. Um, I just thought he always spoke really well, considering, you know, he is from a very different background to what we're all brought up in. But 
did a lot of great work for for things in the community in and around the globe you know environmental stuff so yeah it just seemed like a good bloke and you know i just wish him all the best i hope he can kind of yeah re reignite his career a little bit because it it really has faulted unfortunately um so yeah that's that's hector bellerin uh, i'm sure we could probably have a more in-depth conversation about him at some point in the future but that's the only outgoing that i've seen so far is it have you seen anything else this evening any anyone oh, else tip no, to go out there's i think one of the academy lads has gone on loan but um obviously i think we'll chat maybe a little bit about douglas Luis, but just yeah. um just but, some interesting man. some interesting arsenal connected transfers that i've heard a few rumors about today feel we've got to cardiff that 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 there's some rumors surrounding that you know random 30, yeah random 33 years old now hasn't played wow. for southampton but you know someone i'll always be fond of phil walcott and what do you yeah. think of um william turning up at fulham lol i think i would just laugh a lot and think you stupid pricks did you not and i look i know we were only talking there recently on the last week's pre-match pint about the only good game he ever had was against fulham uh, so maybe that's the, that's the only game they scouted him for, um, which the scouting, then fair enough. The scouting department lost the tape for the rest of the league and thought, oh, this man is the person we want in our team. But no. it just seems bizarre for me. I think we were talking about how Fulham are, you know, a hardworking team. And mm. when I think of hardworking and pressing and I don't think of Willian, but there we go. There we go. Yeah. The less said about Willian on this podcast, the better, to be honest with you. I think the less said about William just anything near anybody who loves Arsenal the better um, but yeah incomings seems a bit quiet but the only thing that's really been gathering pace or much interest there, there is some winger I can't remember the bloke's name to be honest um, you, is a Ukrainian don't even know his name oh, I'm not mate, sure if that's even going to happen I would butcher the name so I'm not even going to try but no I think that's done and dusted that Ron I think Douglas Luiz is the only one that seems yeah. that there is legs and it might happen but at this stage I think if it were going to happen I think there would be talks of a fee being agreed but um, no, it's an interesting one it's another uh, Man City link he didn't ever play for Man City but he no. was a Man City player but fits the age profile um, I don't the nationality fits that yeah, profile the too. Nationality, you know, statistically, you know, I don't know a great deal about him. So I had yeah. a look at some of his uh, other stats and he makes more tackles per game than any of our current midfielders, but he's got a worse pass accuracy than any of our current midfielders. But when you're playing mm. for Aston Villa, is that due to the team he plays in? You know, he play a much different role at Arsenal, but I feel like it's the mm. kind of transfer that if Elneny and Partey wouldn't have picked up the injuries they have would we be looking at signing him who knows but um yeah mm. if we can get him in fantastic but i've saw enough from samby last night to think that as long as we yeah. can keep him fit that will be that's right. the problem though that is the problem is keeping him and shaka fit i mean if we don't we're we're, we're very fucking light on the ground but I think one thing that's definitely not going to happen, um, even though it dragged on for what felt like an eternity, is uh, Tillman's. He started for Leicester in the game. I've actually just had a look. Unfortunately, Man United have just gone 1-0 up. Bastards. Um, that's not great. I was hoping Leicester might go for Aston Villa and just try and, try and kick lumps out of Man United this evening. Um, just to make There's always time. There's always time. There's always, yeah, we're trying 25 minutes in there. So we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, other than that, I think that's the only one we'll see. Whether he comes in or not, look, time will tell. Like like I said earlier, I'll find out in the morning. Um, 
and we'll see what happens there. So I guess that's enough of transfer gossip and rumours. Um, let's look ahead to Sunday, James. Massive, massive game. Um, you, you jammy little bastard, told me just before we come on, has managed to secure a ticket. Um, fair play. It's It's a game similar to Spurs for me that I really... I don't know whether I eagerly anticipate it, but it always, the, the nerves jangle because I think it's more of a case of that me, like most, not from Manchester, but most of my mates, funnily enough, support Manchester United uh, and they've loved giving it the big one for a number of years. And we're all having a bloody good laugh at them um, over the last 12 months or so. You know, like we've discussed, they, they have taken the, the baton on from us as being banter FC, which is bloody great to say the least. But I'll just throw it straight over to you. How are you feeling about Sunday? Yeah, I always get excited about Man United. I think growing up, it was Arsenal versus Man United, you know, who was going to yeah. win their league. And when I think of iconic Premier League games from my childhood, it was always Arsenal-Man United. It's one of the first fixtures I look at when they come out at the beginning of the season. And unfortunately, mm. every time I've been to Old Trafford, I haven't seen us win yet, but I'm... Um, I've, I'm optimistic, you know, mm -hmm. I do with us now going five on the bounce. I am a little bit worried that it's got 49 undefeated vibes. To it. <laughs> I know. I, will they I, be I, the team that ruins the unbeaten start? But ugh, I don't know. I could I have put Steve got... in the bin for putting that out in, in the, uh, out there for everybody to see because I thought it and I didn't want to put it out there. But then he was like, yeah, this has massive uh, vibes of, you know, the 49 undefeated uh, season. So, yeah, it's it's one of those, isn't it? But looking back to last season, we had two two pretty good games. Um, a frustrating one at Old Trafford last year, wasn't it? I think it was, I think they just got rid of Solskjaer, um, kind of just brought in Ranić, who was kind of watching from the stands. <laughs> Disappointing 3-2 loss. You know, we had ESR with a kind of controversial opener, which was, Kind of funny at the same time because I think it was Maguire that took down uh, David Delia, which is quite quite good. Uh, but then we went two one down, uh, and Odegaard, uh, Odegaard swept in an equaliser only for Cristiano Ronaldo to score a penalty, which Odegaard gave away. Obviously at home, it was part of the running. Nice three one home win, which included Xhaka's Arsenal uh, voted goal of this season. Obviously. Goal scoring machine Tavares got on, on the score sheet. I say that tongue in cheek because he can't stop scoring uh, in Marseille at the minute, which is crazy. What is going on there? And it's madness. <laughs> I don't as well. know. I see one of the pictures as well of him celebrating the game. And he's there celebrating with Kalasanach and Genduzzi yeah. and yeah. Sanchez has scored yeah. in that game as well. It's it's like the Weird. Arsenal. Oh, bizarre, isn't it? It's like. It is odd. Know, can you remember. Um, Going off on a slight tangent, but can you remember um, watching Masters football back in the day on Sky oh Sports? Oh my God. I was only, funny you say that. It's one of the greatest shows and concepts of all fucking time. I was talking about this with a colleague at work a couple of months back and we were like, what happened to that? Where did that go? It was fucking brilliant. Um, I think there are rumours it might be coming back at some point. And if it does, I will welcome it with open arms. Um, oh. I'd Brilliant. love to see it back. I'd love to see it back. But no, just seeing what's going on at Marseille at the moment, it just makes me think that, you know, this could be an Arsenal Masters team. It is bizarre. Yeah. But yeah, no, it definitely could. It definitely could. We'll have Manuel Almunia in goal for shits and giggles while we're at it, <laughs> shall we? 
Um, but yeah, I mean, looking at the the head-to-head record going into this game against United, now look, lots of games have gone uh, gone on here, but we've won 86, drawn 50 and lost 100. That that round figure of 100 is not great, but look, it is what it is. Uh, we're in very different places to what we have been, you know, when we were growing up, even to over the last couple of years, we all know the fixture's not what it once was, but it's still one of the games that I massively look forward to, mainly because it's the the banter that you get with the 100 Man United fans who probably live in and around you. Um, the form going into it, don't we need to say anything about Arsenal, do we? It's five out of five. Absolutely fucking fantastic. Um, United, unfortunately, seem to be finding their feet a little bit after two defeats uh, opening the season. They've won two and they are obviously in the middle of their fifth game at the minute and leading 1-0 against Leicester. But going into it, what... I guess there's a few question marks about who might line up for Arsenal. Um, not just, you know, with the obvious Zinchenko, um, Thomas Partey missing at the minute. A couple of, t- I say there was a couple of knocks. Obviously, Ramsdale went down holding his hamstring yesterday, which is always a concern because that's the last place you'd want to go and make a, a Premier League debut as a goalkeeper, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Although um, saying that though, Kelvin, I think... I've got a recollection of being at Old Trafford when Wojciech Szczesny made his debut and he had a um, a cracking game that day, but let's not be it with Matt Turner. Yeah, let's let's absolutely not do that, no, uh, to say the least. But is there, is there anything, do you expect any surprises um, with the with the squad? I mean, is there anything, obviously I don't think we can really rotate at the minute, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, what, what are you expecting? I think this will be the last game you see us go relatively strong and relatively unchanged. And I think from this point onwards, that's when you're going to see more rotation. Mm -hmm. Arteta was quite open after the game that he was building up Tomiyasu's minutes. And that's why he came on um, against Villa yesterday. But I think Man United probably a bit too early for him. And you certainly don't want to be chucking him in for his first start against Man United. We'll probably see him start against Zurich, I would have thought. Um, Mm. If Zinchenko's fit, he plays and yes. it was really interesting last night. Again, I'm not sure whether it was quite as obvious on TV, but Tierney really was tucking inside yesterday. I've never seen anything like it from Tierney. You know, you think mm. of him as being this overlapping fullback and he mm. definitely was being asked to play that Zinchenko role. And you know, yeah. whether he'll grow into that or not, who knows? But he did look less rusty than what he was. But if Zinchenko's yeah. fit, for me, he he has to come back in because he really has made us tick in the um, opening few games of the season. But he wasn't on the bench last night. I mean, he certainly weren't mm. running up and down the touchline either. But whether Arteta was just keeping his powder dry, ready for Man United, yeah. and, uh, we'll see. Keeping, keeping the cards close to the chest, right? And that's... You know, you don't want to give give away your hand uh, going into a big game like that. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see who who we who we line up with on on Sunday. And look, whoever's out there, let's just hope we see the same sort of commitment that you know we've seen throughout the opening five games so far this season. Because it's that's what that's what wins you football matches is that grit and determination um, and coming together as a team. But I had a little look back over some of the previous games and goals heading into this game, and look. There's been some absolute batshit crazy games at Old Trafford and some really famous ones as well uh, over the years. I mean, it's hard not to think of Old Trafford and think of Sylvain Wiltord in that glorious gold Sega away shirt, tucking the ball in uh, to seal the title uh, all those years ago. Um, There was also, you kind of alluded to it earlier, but 
at the end of 49 undefeated. Um, Pizzagate and Alex Ferguson getting that. I think only Fabregas was talking about this recently about that particular episode where he hurled the pizza and it ended up hitting Alex Ferguson. Literally, if I could have been there for that moment, oh, I would have paid to be there, paid to be there. Yeah. But hey-ho. No, it's um, been some cracking games over the years, hasn't there? Some mm. cracking goals as well. I know it's not always gone our way result-wise, but um, yeah. I think the game that probably stands out to me most and probably stands out to most people has got to be the, the Battle of Old Trafford in the uh, lead-up to the Invincibles uh, mm-hmm. and it just was a, you know, it was only nil-nil on the day, yeah. but, you know, it was a mad game and it resulted in Arsenal being fined a record £175,000 for not controlling their players on the day. Well done to Lauren, Keown, Vieira and Parla for giving a yeah. what for. And um, interesting to see he'll be coming back to the Emirates Stadium with now PSV manager. Yeah, that's going to be... Uh... Add a little bit of feist uh, to that particular fixture because he's not loved uh, by anyone at Arsenal Football Club. I think that's safe to say. Um, how he goaded Patrick Vieira that day still pisses me off. Um, but also it ended with such a wry smile, didn't it? I mean, I was again, he's one of those that you just would never expect him to miss a pen. Um, so I hate to bring him up on this podcast, but it's like Harry Kane when he steps up and he missed one, funny enough, at the weekend. But usually he's just banging it in. Um, but when he it smashed the crossbar, yeah, the, the scenes afterwards and the scenes at full time were just from an Arsenal perspective and the media had a field day going at us, kind of like they do today. Um, it's not anything new. Uh, if, if Arsenal do something that the media thinks slightly not up to standards or in the way it should be done, even though everybody else does it, um, yeah, we, we get ridiculed to say the least. But yeah, brilliant scenes. We all know the, the, the Martin Keown, you know, the fucking devil likes. I mean, God knows what possessed him, but the way he jumps over, you know, um, Ruben Nistelrooy in that. And we've all seen, you know, the the mock-up with the lightning strikes and the eyes coming down, right? That's what I always think anyway. It's so good. They're just awesome, Man United, over the years. I think, obviously, I think we'll go into some goals in a moment or two, but I think one of the things that just stands in my memory is just what used to go on it in the tunnel even before the game like Vieira yeah, and Keane Vieira yeah they'd be going at it right from the beginning you know and these games back then they really did mean everything and yeah. it was absolute madness at times and you know it was 97-98 which one of my favourite Arsenal Man mm-hmm. United goals with uh, Patrick Vieira scoring an absolute screamer in a 3-2 win he's he's running away from goal and he just mm-hmm. hits the most marvellous looping effort over Peter Schmeichel. And um, I think mm. David Platt scored uh, late on in the game. To in win the header, absolute header, yeah. That's a great um, header, that as well. Was that, the, was that, that the was. same Was that the same season that we went up there and won for the first time in, in years? I think it was Mark Overmars. Was that the same season? Obviously, yeah, we went so, on to win the title, wasn't it? So it must have been. Yeah, same season. It was in that. I think people, I've not known this till recently, but I think people call that yellow kit the Weetabix kit. I've not. The wheat. I've never I haven't come before. across that previously, but when you think about it now, it makes complete sense. I know Mark Overmars in the Weetabix kit. Yeah, 1 0, and we hadn't won there for such a long time. And that was probably yeah. what guided us to the title. It probably gave us the belief that we could it do it. 100%. 100%. Results like that back in the day. Um, I guess it would be the equivalent if, you know, imagine 
we went to City, you know, if we were close enough and got a win up there, we would probably do something similar to the squad of today. But yeah, those games were unbelievable. But just before we move on to some, some you know, some listener questions, um, just just wanted to go through what goals, you know, we've touched on Mark Overmars there, Patrick Vieira, Highbury, but in particular, Old Trafford, is there any other goals that kind of stick out in your memory? Um, I mean... You've done me there because I was going to go for Thierry Henry, but that was at Highbury. The, it was, his, yeah. It his, was. Um, his little, uh, his touch turn and bang past Ambartes. But um, yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, it's always worth a mention. Yeah. Other Old Trafford goals. Um, San, Santi had a good one, but I don't think it meant yeah. much. I think um, I think we already lost the game or we're losing the game, but that yeah. didn't. Decent finish. Yeah. And I'm, no, other than that, I think it was. Um, I think they're the main ones that stick out to me. Yeah, I mean, the couple that spring to mind for me was an Arshavin screamer in that blue kit with with the with the blue pinstripes. Um, we had weirdly we were playing blue blue shirts, blue shorts, white socks, which is an odd combination for Arsenal. Um, he, he rifled one into the top corner, but the two that kind of stand out for me actually is I think it was a cup game. Uh, Monreal weaving his way through and finishing off a, a good move and. I think it was also the game where Danny Welbeck went back and decided to score against Man United. That's highly entertaining um, when it's the other way around, right? Not when it happens to us. Um, nobody ever likes that, but it was, yeah, good to see uh, an ex-United player stick it to them on their ground. But not only that, fucking celebrating. I hate these players that don't celebrate. Get on with oh, it. It oh. winds me up a treat. You know, yeah. fair play. I think if you've been at a club for a long, long, long period of time, I can I, I can get it. But even players that have been at a club for five minutes, they're just, uh, you know, you've saw, scored a goal, just celebrate it. You know, yeah. The fans are going to give you pelters anyway, no matter what. So Absolutely. just go out and celebrate it. Absolutely. Yeah. Just just let your hair down, pal. Enjoy the moment um, and we'll all move on the next day. Absolutely. OK, well, look, that wraps up United um, very quickly. Uh, I didn't want to do this, but you did say this to us coming on. I'll ask you score prediction. I've been umming and ahhing throughout the day and um, you'll continue to do so. Yeah. Yeah, we'll continue to do so. Um, I'm going to give you a head and a heart, I think. My heart tells me that we're going to win 2-1, but right. my head tells me that it might be... A... I'm going to stick it out there and say that we're going to lose 2-1, and I hate to say it. Oh. I really do, and I hate to bring oh. the mood down. I really do, but um, oh. but I'm happy to be prove, proven wrong. You, you get it, you know? Always. And that's... If I do get it wrong, then happy days, and it will be a, a good day at the football. But I think what Steve's famous catchphrase is that no matter what happens, we won't let the football ruin a good day at the football. Unless you get absolutely fucking battered, that would ruin the day for me. <laughs> to, be fair, to be fair, I was out that 8-2. Oh, I was trying to avoid it the whole time. You had to go there, didn't you? Uh, you've got you it. To go you've there. got to talk about it. It just makes it more sweeter when no. I get my prediction wrong and we go and win their 4-0 this weekend. It's great. We, wouldn't it be great to smash someone um, like United at home? I'd love it. We, we've had it done to us. Uh, we haven't done it often to anybody else. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoy that. But look, moving on then, we've got a few questions from the listeners uh, that I just want to dig into before we we wrap it up. Um, let's just go straight into them. Kit underscore Manaman on Instagram has asked, do you think we are title contenders? James, answer that for me, will you, please? 
No. no. I don't think we're title contenders, but I think we are most definitely top three contenders, I would say. I've seen enough of us so far that makes me feel confident about what we're doing, but the way yeah. Man City are playing at the moment, I can't see anyone else winning it but yeah. them. But I think this weekend Not- will be a big test, and I really do think that if we can get a result at Man United, then, mm-hmm. you know confidence is going to be high i think the first five games of the season you know is mm. we've gone on an amazing run but on paper they are all games which you could see us getting three points whereas yeah man united is a different a different matter so um yeah ask me that question again maybe after 10 15 games but at the moment yeah no top three top four yeah it's, it's one of those in it i'd like to think i could answer yes but you know Man City is such a robot side with a robot striker, literally. Um, then, yeah, I can't see anybody competing with them at this stage. You know, look at Liverpool, mate, the last few years, the amount of points they've racked up and they've only won the league once. It's, it's absolutely insane. Uh, and I think that will continue. Stranger things have happened, of course. Love to see it. Love to be proven wrong, as you said earlier. But no, I think we're definitely, like you, you alluded to, win that top four, um, in that top four fight for sure, um, even up to top two. I think I think Liverpool are going to be a bit hit and miss. They got so lucky last night that it really pissed me off. Um, but that just goes to show, I think, Liverpool are more beatable than they have been um, over the last number of years. So moving on, uh, sorry if I butcher any of these names, but we've got Asha X Khan. She has asked, are you worried about City? Many people think they will be the next Invincibles. Thoughts? Do you want to go first on this one? Wow. Yeah, no, I, well, yeah, I'll go first, but no, I'm not worried about it. Um, I think City are a great side. And I don't like people that go with this City side, beat the Invincible team. I don't like, it just doesn't make any sense because the game's so different to what it was. You know, we're talking fucking how many years ago was the Invincibles? Now it's nearly 20 years ago. Um, if not, it is 20 years ago, I think. Jesus Christ. That makes me feel really old. I don't know about you, buddy, but I think the league's just far too competitive. Um, in this day and age so I, it doesn't worry me that's my answer what, what would you say about that? Yeah I think they'll go close and I can't see them losing many games but for me it's the Champions League is what they want Like that's mm. why they've got Haaland in and I think once the Champions League starts up especially when they get into those knockout games next year I think that's when the heads start turning maybe towards the Champions League and I think that's where they have shown in previous years that they can lose a little bit of focus in the uh, Premier League race. So, no, like mm-hmm. you say, it's, it's far too competitive. You see the fees that teams all over the Premier League now are paying for players. And, yeah, mm. it is. I can't imagine them going. And I really hope they don't as well. You know, I think someone will do it one day, but I just hope that it's not in my lifetime. Yeah, as long as I'm not here or around, um to, to witness it then yeah I think I'm with you on that to be honest that, that'll be fine they can do it in 100 years I'll be well gone by then um, moving on to the next question we've got I'm never going to pronounce this but I think it's Ferdows17S he asked Orba snake or not? Oh, I'm torn I'm torn <laughs> I like Abamyang. I I loved him as a player and I do like a flashy striker. Like I think there is something fun about. I mean, there's flash, like and then there's Aubameyang flash. Yeah, by the well, way. yeah, there is. There is saying that, but no, I think I can't see it going very well at Chelsea. Like I kind of hope no. that he has a bit of a, a William type transfer. Um, mm-hmm. But 
he carried us through a period of, of time where we were in dire shape. And if you look at that FA Cup winning team, you know, the players that were in it, David Luiz, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Lacazette, you know, Danny Ceballos, how on earth we won the FA Cup. And it was because of his goals. And I think I'll always remember him fondly. It did end a little bit sour, but I think what we've got to remember is that, you know, with all or nothing, we got the club's perspective, we got Arteta's perspective and, I think it probably was a little bit of column A and column B and, you know, he's just yeah. doing what's best for his career at the moment. I probably think he hasn't got much choice. I think with what's going on at no. Barcelona, they would no. just wanted to ship him out and there's only a certain number of clubs in the world that he can go to, but um, exactly, we'll yeah. go as far as saying snake, but um, I certainly, I'm not looking forward to seeing him in a Chelsea shirt, especially with his Arsenal tattoo. <laughs> That's going to be funny, is it? Actually, because also Lewis Roper, 94, he asked a very similar question. He said, you know, what do you think of Orba going to Chelsea? I think we did kind of cover this a little bit last week, but for me, it doesn't bother me. Um, unless something extravagant has happened to him since he's left us. Um, I saw enough for 18 months uh, of underperforming uh, yeah, every week in an Arsenal shirt to the point where it was, we, everybody was going, when are we going to drop Aubameyang? That's how bad it got. It, then it happened and he never really came back. Um, I just think, yes, he went to Barcelona, scored a few goals, but you know, like I just said, you know, the, the Premier League's, it's, it's the most competitive league from top to bottom in the world by some distance. Uh, it's very, I wouldn't say easy because I think that's a discredit to professional football, but it's easier to go and score goals Um in the likes of Spain, France. I mean, look, Lacazette's already scored a couple of goals this season. Um, so that, that tells you a lot as well. Um, but yeah, I just think he, he's not going to do much. Could be proved wrong. This is a case where I hope not. Um, but yeah, I'm not too bothered about it. Um, moving on. Lewis, you're going to get two questions today. Why not? Lewis Roper, 94 again. He said, what do you think about players leaving for no fee and our incomings for the window overall? Regarding no fees, frustrating, but I think this will be the last transfer window where we have to deal with that. I think, you yep. know, I'm hoping that moving forward, you think of our squad now. I think we were having this chat after the game last night that we think at some point we're going to lose someone who we really don't want to lose because a bid will mm -hmm. come in. We've got so many players now, which, you know, you could whack a 50, 60, 70, 80, Easy. even a hundred million pound transfer fee on. And, you yep. know, so I think, this is the last of those transfer windows, thing, um, fingers crossed. But no, I think if we take out, you know, obviously it's transfer deadline day. We don't know what's going to happen before deadline. Doesn't look like anything's going to happen, but I'm thrilled with the window. You know, Jesus has been fantastic. You know, what mm -hmm. an incredible, incredible signing. I, I still can't believe he plays for us. It's, it's brilliant. Great. Um, Zinchenko, fantastic signing as well was slotted into the team you know Saliba how he's integrated so well was just blowing my mind and I couldn't be happier you know Fabio Vieira we'll see what happens you know I'm really looking forward to seeing him play surely he's got to get some minutes in the Europa League coming up oh, 100%, so. yeah. but say if he's an absolute disaster and or you know and we're not sure what's going to happen with uh, Matt Turner either but even if Zinchenko Jesus and uh, Saliba, if you kind of count him as a, a new signing, because mm. we, you know, I'm sure we did have the option of shipping him out. I think even if those three are hits, what a window, you know, they are yeah. three 
amazingly talented people to have in our starting eleven. So um, no, the boys, um, the boys at uh, London Colney seem to be doing all right. Those barbecues at Edu's house, they do seem to be uh, coming off quite nicely. Yeah, fruitful. Um, whoever he's invited to, and fair play, mate. You're doing a ah, you're playing a blinder, absolute blinder. But I couldn't add anything more on the the inbound. I think you're absolutely spot on uh, with the outbound. Um, it's really frustrating, of course, to have to do that and constantly not only just give people away for you know getting no fees, but we're actually paying some of these players to fuck off. Um, but it had to be done. We all knew that the whole everything needed blowing up. We need to start again. And uh, we touched on the starting eleven that you know the first one. Arteta had there a few weeks ago. So what it is now, it's, it's night and day. It's completely different. The whole squad's completely different. And it, it needed to be done. We all needed, we all understood that it needed to happen. But obviously you want to recoup some of that money, but that's, that's just the way it is. But we, like you said, it's squads in a great place. Whether we'll have to do that sort of Coutinho sale that Liverpool did a few years back, we'll, we'll see. Um but I, I, it's hard to say, isn't it? Like, I, I'd hope not as a fan, right? You always don't want to see a decent player leave, but it might happen. But then it's a case of, you know, what happens next. And like I alluded to last week, I don't really mind who we sign or who we're linked with. My trust in what the manager and the executive board are doing at the minute is pretty high. Um, I'm kind of happy to go, well, look, you, you lads clearly know what you're doing because let's be honest, if you put your hand on your heart and we're completely honest about our assessment and you hadn't watched any of these players and you said, would you be happy if all these players and then, you know, you listed the names were coming in, what do you think they'll do? I think a lot of us say, I don't really know. I don't really know. Um, they're relative unknowns, um, but they've all done bloody well. Um, and and that's, that says a lot. And look, finally, last question from Lower North Bank. How are you, John? What do we think of Richard Keys? <laughs> Uh, have you seen the Twitter account that's popped up with regards to the yeah. celebration yeah. police? The profile yeah, picture of, of him wearing the police hat, and oh, Great. it's fantastic. There was a banner at the Emirates last night Glory. as well, I think, and then mm-hmm. we the Arsenal will celebrate when we won or something like that. But yeah, you know, it for me, it's the, the whole celebration police thing. I I kind of secretly love it because it's it just shows that we're relevant again. And it just yeah. shows that if people are getting this wound up about Arsenal, it's because they can't stand the fact that we're top of the league. We're, yeah, well. we're not banter FC. We've got a young team, a young manager. We're only going to get better. And for me, give me more and more of the celebration police because it means that as long as that's happening, we're mm. winning games. So long may it continue. Absolutely. And I think my quick answer on that would be he was very quiet about Liverpool's celebrations last night. Uh, and also, I hope you enjoyed the fireworks, you prick. Um, that's all I've got to say about that. That was <laughs> mad at the game. Brilliant. We had no idea what was going on when there was fireworks going on outside. But I'm fair really? play to whoever's done that. Yeah, again, we love shithousery and that's it right there. It's just funny, isn't it? But there we go. I guess, look, uh, we'll, we'll leave it there, James. Uh, really appreciate you joining us. Um, and look, as always, uh, we just want to thank you for taking the time to tune in and listen to the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you do enjoy the show, please do leave us a review on Apple and Spotify. Drop those five-star reviews. And remember to share on the socials or even in your Arsenal fan groups. We greatly appreciate it. We'll be back with another podcast after Man United. So please do keep an eye on our social media feeds for that. But look, until then, look after yourselves, look after each other. Take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.